You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 22. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, I hope you are all doing well. You made it to June. Happy June, everybody. Made it through another school year. Because the school year has ended, I've now got some more availability in my schedule. So if you have been thinking about dabbling in life coaching or wanting to schedule a free discovery call, now is a great time. Go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash work with me with little hyphens between the words work with me. And we'll set you up with a free discovery call and see if it's a good time for you because I love life coaching so much. I want to introduce it to everybody I know. But today's question comes from Andrea, and she writes, Hello, I love and look forward to listening to your podcast. Oh, Andrea, you have no idea how much that means to me. I have three girls, 13, 11, and 9. My 9-year-old is very bright, confident, gregarious, and tenacious young child. I do think that these are very strong qualities, but wonder if they get in the way of peer relations. She has a wide variety of friends. I used to be worried that she did not have that one special friend, but realized after listening to one of your podcasts that that is okay. Yay, Andrea. The issue lies that if a peer says or does something negative to her, she A, doesn't forget it, B, continues to remind her peer of it, and C, tells her peer that she is not her friend. Like any third grader, this peer is now hurt and upset. It's as though my child does not care and sees no remorse. I have conversations with her about this, and it's so hard for her to change. I don't know what to do. Thank you so much for your guidance. All right, Andrea. Well, what a great question. I know how hard it is to watch your daughter behave in ways that are not aligned with your values, but it's such a good opportunity to talk about empathy, which we haven't talked about yet on the podcast. So empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Some kids naturally pick up on social cues and don't need to be taught how to use empathy to connect with others. Other kids, well, they need to be taught. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with these children. They are perfectly normal, but it can make a super mom cringe when she watches her child navigate the nuances of friendship and not do it in a way that mom would do it. So kids who struggle with to show empathy usually do so for two reasons. Number one, they aren't very easily hurt by others. And so they can't relate when other people get their feelings hurt. They don't really get it. Or number two, they are very deeply hurt by others and they struggle to show empathy because their own hurt feelings are so loud in their ears. So I asked Andrea which category she thought her daughter fell into. Her initial reaction was that her daughter was unaffected, but after further consideration, she thinks perhaps she is deeply wounded by slights from friends and that is why she's so dismissive. So Andrea said that her daughter is very caring with young children and animals, which to me signals a profound sense of empathy. 
when we feel hurt, it is human nature to want to hurt back. So think about like a porcupine, right? These porcupine quills, they lay soft and flat until threatened. And then soon as the porcupine feels threatened, they stand up sharply to deter anyone from getting close. Instead of crying and showing her hurt, it sounds like Andrea's daughter shoves it down, gets prickly like a porcupine, and doesn't allow herself to feel her feelings. She doesn't like feeling vulnerable in that way. While there isn't a lot a mom can do to change her daughter's personality, we kind of have to just respect that this is how she's wired, but I can give you some tips to support her softer side. Number one, acknowledge her hurt. Even though your daughter will deny it, you can show compassion to her saying words like, boy, if someone said that to me, I would feel hurt. Or gosh, I feel so sad when my friends leave me out. So for you to be vocal about your softer side will demonstrate to her that it's okay. And to also give her an emotional vocabulary that she might not be giving herself, right? She's like, I don't feel sad. I don't feel hurt. Mm -mm, I'm not going to go there. But when you say it, it kind of at least gives her that vocabulary to say, oh, I feel sad and hurt maybe too. Number two, find opportunities for her to hang out with children, animals, the elderly, or the disabled. You said it. She feels safe letting her vulnerable side show around these sensitive souls encourage it. Kids like this turn into advocates for social justice. Find volunteer opportunities for her to let the softer side show and start affecting change in her community. Like these are the kids that really use their passions to make big changes in the world. Number three, make her rigidity work for you. Okay, so I just discovered this this year, and it's been so fun to test it out. You know how, so I work at an elementary school with young kids, so kindergarten, first and second graders, and they always want to, you know, bicker and point out everybody else's flaws, right? It's a big tattletaling age, so they want to say, he did this to me, and she started it, and she said this, and I said, and they're always in that kind of state of, I'm the good one, she's the bad one. So what I started doing, and it's been weirdly working very well, is to use their kind of black and white thinking to my advantage. So instead of getting caught up in like who started it and who said what to who and who's bad and who's good, I just say to them, I said, do you want to live in a nice world or a mean world? And they all know the answer to that. And they really like that they know the answer because they're like, I want to live in a nice world. And so you get to choose. You get to choose to be nice and make the world a nicer place, or you get to choose to be mean and make the world a meaner place. That this is up to you. And so they tend to think, so all kids think in black and white terms. If I'm not smart, I must be dumb. If she said something mean, then she's a mean person. Like this is kind of a child's brain. If this is good, then that's bad, okay? So these things keep kids stuck in a negative pattern, but you can use this to your advantage by asking black and white questions. Do you want to live in a nice world or a mean world? Do you think people should be kind or should they be rude? Would you prefer to have no friends or some friends? If she wants to live in a nice world, then it's up to her to be nice no matter what everyone else does. If she wants to have friends, it's up to her to act like a friend, even when they don't deserve it, in her opinion. 
letting your daughter think about the kind of world she wants to live in moves her attention from this small little hurtful comment where she feels powerless to the big picture where she can do something about the injustice she feels. Now, I would not expect her to answer your question, but just give her something to think about. Like, do you want to live in a world where people act kindly or rudely? And just let her, you know, dwell on that for a while and don't feel like she needs to talk about it, but just help her feel like she has some power there. Like she gets to choose. So this is my parenting advice for you on how to cope with a kid who holds a grudge, who doesn't show these vulnerable emotions. But what gets in our way is our own fearful and catastrophic thinking. When our daughter acts cold, prickly, mean, holds a grudge, acts like she doesn't care, Oh my gosh, does it trigger us? <gasps> you know, especially if you're a people pleaser like me and you want everybody to be nice and kind and, you know, uplifted. Oh my gosh, is it hard to watch our own little offspring not uplift people, but do the opposite? <sighs> it's so difficult. So what happens is our brains go into these really fearful, catastrophic places. Like she's never going to have any friends. Nobody's going to want to be around her. She doesn't care about people. She's so mean. And of course, whenever we see bad behavior in our kids, we fall into the conclusion that I must not be doing a good enough job as a mother. I'm a terrible mom. I'm failing as a mom. And all these dramatic thoughts. When we think these dramatic thoughts, we get scared. When we get scared, guess what? We get mad like a porcupine. Hello. We put our quills up. We get a little cold and prickly ourselves. We start telling our daughter, you need to be nice. Stop holding a grudge. You need to forgive and forget. This isn't the way to behave. There's nothing wrong with this advice, except for that it's rooted in our own fears. She's going to pick up on our judgmental, you need to change now energy, and she's going to feel a strong emotion. She's going to feel ashamed or embarrassed or not good enough, inadequate, and she's going to shut down. And when she shuts down, she acts cold and aloof. She acts like she doesn't care, which only makes us get meaner. We're trying to like shake an emotional reaction out of her, like, don't you see how mean you're being? And we do that by trying to trigger her by us being mean to her, right? Like you're being such a jerk right now. When we get mean and mad at her, trying to get an emotional reaction, trying to get her to show hurt or, you know, some sort of like, just to be upset, then it just makes her dig her heels even more, act even more cold and prickly. So we escalate our words, trying to break her down, but this just makes her act even more aloof towards us. So this is totally going to get in our way. What it's the root of it, the cause of it is our fearful, catastrophic thinking. We've got to keep an eye on our thoughts, making sure that they help us become the parent that we want to be, right? Like, we, How do we want to feel? When our daughter is aloof, how do we want to act when our daughter acts aloof and holds a grudge? In order to allow our sensitive kids to show their softer side, we need to be a soft place for them to fall. How do you get a porcupine to lay down her quills? 
sit still, be calm, and give her time to feel safe again. This personality trait of your daughter has nothing to do with you as a mom. If you can be soft and gentle with her, she will know that you have her back. No matter how many people say mean things, that you, she knows you're there for her. Eventually, she might look around and realize she doesn't have any friends or she's lost some friends that she'd like to regain and get back. Then she might be receptive to your helpful advice. But more likely, she will be the one who befriends the kid on the buddy bench at school who's sitting there lonely and wanting someone to play with. She's going to be the kid who advocates for the disabled kid, the one who's friends with the bad boy nobody wants to be friends with. Like, this is a unique trait in your daughter. The world is made up of all kinds of personalities. You absolutely can teach her appropriate social behavior, but it can only be received if you're in a place of acceptance and gentleness. Instead of futurizing and catastrophizing, which is kind of our default when we get scared, share your vision of her in the future. You can say things like, someday you will realize that most people are well-intentioned, even if they don't always say the right things. Or you could say something like, people make mistakes all the time. Someday you'll learn that forgiveness feels better than righteousness. Or, you care so deeply about others. It's this compassion of yours that's going to make the world a better place. Today's super mom kryptonite, then, is parenting from fear. Now, this is a sneaky one. Our words and actions can be exactly the same, but when we're rooted in fear, our kids pick up on our neediness and they push us away, they argue it, they feel like they need to resist against it. So let's, for example, think about, imagine your 12-year-old daughter comes downstairs looking sexy in a short skirt and a tube top, ready to go out into the world. Your mind immediately jumps to, oh my God, no, uh uh, too sexy, sexual predators, kidnapping and human trafficking, boys, dirty old men, what will people think? Embarrassed, oh my gosh, no. (laughs) The words that you might say are, nope, you're not wearing that, you need to go change now. She argues, she complains, she pops her outfit into her purse and changes back as soon as she leaves the house. If she comes downstairs wearing the same outfit, short miniskirt, tube top, you might get a different result if your thoughts are calm and inquisitive. Is that outfit aligned with our family values? Would I have worn that when I was her age? And if so, did anything bad happen to me while I wore it? What is the statistical probability that something bad will happen to her? because she is wearing that outfit. Like really put your brain into a mathematical place can help that catastrophic thinking. You might say similar words. You might say, no, mm -mm, that outfit is not aligned with our family values. Go put on something more modest, please. Or you might say, yeah, nothing bad's going to happen to you because you're wearing that outfit. Wear it loud and proud. Be confident that the way to stay safe from 
sexual predators has more to do with the confidence that with which you carry yourself than the outfit that you wear. But this calm, clear, confident energy is much more likely to yield a positive result from your daughter. She might argue, but she would match your energy. So she would do so like calmly and logically. So she might present an equally strong argument about her values being different than the family's values and that she sees nothing wrong with her outfit, but it's coming from such a different place. It's not coming from fear, which for her is going to naturally make her want to resist it. So whenever there's behavior that you want to change in yourself or your child, make sure you are rooted in positive emotion rather than fear. Today's super mom power boost is to choose a spirit animal. Do you have a favorite animal? You probably don't think about it as much as you used to when you were a kid. Or maybe uh, you think about what are your kids' favorite animals, but you forgot to think about your own. Do you ever find yourself like intrigued by certain animals? You want to learn more about them? Well, I think choosing a spirit animal is a fun way to kind of teach you about you. Find an animal that you're drawn to, intrigued by, and learn more about them. Learn why they act the way they act, what's their personality like, and see if you can figure out what that animal is trying to teach you. If you love sloths, it could be that your higher self is saying, it's time to slow down and chill, maybe climb a tree and get some alone time. (laughs) Are you drawn towards elephants? Then if you learn more about them, you might realize that you're yearning to feel supported by a larger community because elephants are such community-oriented creatures. Andrea's daughter could learn more about the porcupine as a compassionate way to learn more about herself. Or another animal that's prickly, uh, the puffer fish or something like that, that gets prickly when it gets defensive, right? When it feels threatened. So what the reason I think this is so valuable is because we don't argue with reality with animals the way we do with ourselves. Like with ourselves, we're like, oh, I should be better than I am. I should be braver. I should be stronger. I should be tougher. I should be nicer. I'd be kinder. I should be more productive. I should be more effective. I should be calmer. I should be more peaceful. Whatever. We argue with our human nature. But with animals, we don't tend to do that. We don't think porcupines shouldn't be so prickly. We accept them for who they are and we learn to live with them peacefully. Like we learn to adapt ourselves to their nature. And so maybe find a spirit animal to go with each of your children and see how you can use this animal to kind of accept their nature, accept them as they are, and learn to adapt yourself to be the best mom you can possibly be to these fabulous wild animal creatures you've got living in your house. Today's quote of the day, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Albert Einstein. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. I hope to get to talk with you soon. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question, and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email, and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.